Thank you for joining the Element Church Podcast, where we exist to guide people to experience life to its fullest, connect into meaningful relationships, and make a lasting impact. Wherever you're listening from today, we hope this message inspires and strengthens your faith. One of the best things about working in student ministry is seeing and hearing how children and teenagers respond to God in faith. The prayers of children specifically are some of the most pure and at the same time the funniest things you will ever hear on this earth. I actually brought some in today to share with you guys. They're going to be on the screen so you guys can read them along with me. The first one is this. Dear God, I need you to make my mom not allergic to cats. I really want a cat and I really don't want to ask my mom to move out. This one is from, I'm assuming, a brother. It says, please forgive me for hiding my sister's favorite doll, and please don't tell her where it is. (laughs) I'm assuming this next one is actually the sister of um, this brother that hid the doll because she said, dear God, it must be super hard to love all the people in the world, especially my brother. I don't know how you do it. (laughs) This last one says, dear God, I love Christmas and Easter. Could you please put another holiday in the middle? There's nothing good in there right now. (laughs) Which I don't know if I agree. If they're talking like Easter to Christmas, then there's a lot of holidays in between. Some of the best holidays, Halloween's in there, Fourth of July's in there. But if they are talking like Christmas until Easter, I mean, we could probably use a few more inside of there. Easter's about to come up too. I'm super excited about that. Um, I actually have two daughters, um, a five-year-old and a seven-year-old, but um, Henley, who's who's my seven-year-old, she always prays, it never fails, regardless of what, what we're about to pray for. She always prays that God would have a good day. And I would like to tell her, I was like, it's his days. Like God always has good days. Um, but also she loves to remind him that he is the best God in the whole dictionary. And that's her favorite thing to pray. She does it every single time. Uh, If you're new here and you have no idea why I'm talking about children praying, I do want to introduce myself. My name is Brendan Anderson. I'm the student ministries pastor here at the church, meaning I get to listen to students praying every single week. And before we get too far in today's sermon, I do want to let you guys know that next Sunday, March 28th, is our first Sabbath Sunday of the year. And some of you might be wondering, what does that actually mean? Well, if you're a part of our online church family, not much is actually going to change for you. But if you're used to coming to our in-person gathering, next Sunday, we will not be having in-person gatherings here at the church. While our staff is still going to be working that day, our volunteers, our building, and all of our equipment, the entire church is going to get a rest from what it normally does. So we're collectively getting to take a Sabbath. However, we didn't want to not offer anything, like offer nothing as a teaching um, for next week. So Pastor Jeff has actually recorded a short sermon to cap and our What I'm Praying For series that is going to be available next week online on the church's website and on our YouTube channel. So you guys can actually watch that and engage with it inside of your own families and church community as well. And then just a reminder, the Sunday after that is Easter. So I mean, a great couple of weeks coming up for us. Today, though, we are continuing our sermon series called What I'm Praying For. And I have the absolute privilege of talking to you guys about what I'm praying for the future of the church. But I wanted to start with these prayers from children because there's just something 
pure about children's prayers. They aren't trying to impress anybody. They are not worried that they sound silly or what they ask for is too outlandish. They are just honest prayers to God about what they want to happen and and what they believe he can make happen. I look at these prayers. I look at the students inside of our eKids children's ministry and our Fusion youth ministry. I just see this incredible faith happening. Not, Not just faith, but I see hope for the church in the future. I get this incredible privilege to walk alongside these students as they grow up, as they make decisions about what they believe, as they struggle with how hard life can be some days. And yet, despite the difficulty and the hurt, I get to see so many of them continue to choose Jesus. So what I get the opportunity to share with you today is both really, really hopeful and at the same time can be very disheartening as well. Because over the past few years, there's actually been a lot of research going into what the future of the church looks like, specifically in regards to children and youth. And I'm pretty nerdy. I get excited about things like research portfolios, statistics, and quotes. So uh, I'm sorry ahead of time because we're going to look at a lot of that stuff today. But um, I think it's just super cool to see what that then can tell us about how effective we're being in terms of, of doing ministry, of discipling people, but also how we can do better. And one of these research projects was carried out by an organization called Pine Tops Foundation. And a lot of what I'm going to share for for you guys today is going to come from this uh, research project that they did. Um, And I think here's, here's the big point of it, though. It's so important to keep out in front of us for us to understand what this actually means for us, because it's going to be on the screens. But here's what they found, that by the year 2050, 35 million youth raised in Christian homes will disassociate from the Christian faith. To put this into perspective, that's a little over a million every year that decide to leave the Christian faith. And this isn't youth who haven't heard of Jesus or don't want to be in the church. These are students who are raised Christian, have probably professed Jesus as their savior, but will still leave the Christian faith. Not only is this heartbreaking, but but it should be a wake-up call for us as well. Because if we continue losing children and youth from faith, we will lose the future of the church. Not just element church, but like big C church. And there's not one way to solve this. There's not an easy solution or an easy fix because it's going to take a lot. A lot more than I'm able to cover today because I already told you today what I get to cover is is what I'm praying for, the future of the church. And that's actually going to lead us into our big idea for today. It's going to be on the screens for you guys. And it's this, that praying for the future of the church starts with the children and teenagers in your church, in our church. Praying for the future of the church starts with the children and teenagers in your church. And that's going to lead us into our big question, which is this, what are the things I'm praying for the next generation? I want you guys to understand, these are the things that I'm praying. You might be praying something completely different, but I hope you join with me in praying these things because these are the things that I'm praying for 
the next generation. Our main scripture is Psalm 78 verses one through seven. And if you have your Bible, we're gonna jump right into it. So you can turn there or pull it up on the YouVersion Bible app if you like to use your phone. If you forgot your Bible today, all of the scripture is gonna be up on the screens. You guys can follow along there. Um, or if you are here today and you don't own a Bible of your very own, please don't leave today without getting one. Uh, stop by the Next Steps wall out in the lobby and they would love to give you a Bible, yours to keep, no strings attached. We would just have the honor of giving that to you today. Quick context before we dive into scripture, because as always, context determines meaning. And anytime we read scripture, we need to know what the context is so we know what we can take out of it. And so the psalm we're about to read is regarded as a historical psalm. Uh, we're not going to be reading all of it. It's actually the longest historical psalm in the book of Psalms. So we do not have time to dig into all of it. We're going to just be reading those first few verses. But this psalm was written with a specific purpose of encouraging the people of Israel, and more importantly, reminding them of everything God had done for them. That's why it's historical, because it details the great mercies and things that God had done for the Israelite people leading up to this point. So we're not gonna walk through all of it, but just so we understand, it's a historical Psalm, talks about everything that God has done for the people, and that's gonna set the tone for what we read here at the very Beginning. So starting in verse 1, Psalm 78 says this O my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I am saying. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past, stories we have heard and known, stories our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. For he issued his laws to Jacob, he gave his instructions to Israel, he commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children. Praying for the future of the church starts with the children and teenagers in your church. So what are the things I'm praying for the next generation? Number one is this. They have adults passionate about their faith. They have adults who are passionate about their faith. So this shouldn't come as a surprise to you guys. Um, children and youth need adults in their lives. I'm sure um, all of us have seen at least one movie or TV show where all the adults have disappeared and the children and youth are left to run whatever it is that they are running and the anarchy and chaos that then like just inevitably occurs because kids need adults. It's necessary for them in their lives. And so what I wanna do here is start really direct, okay? Really direct and then we're gonna work our way out from there, when it comes to our children and our teenagers, the very first adults that have the most direct line to them is going to be parents and guardians, right? So if you call yourself a Christian, you actually have very specific directions from God regarding your kids. And it's to teach them the truth about God. Uh, about what he's done for you and what, what he's done for them. These are the God stories and the God truths and the God moments that we all have in our lives, whether we think we do or not, whether we've seen them or not. And if you can't think of any of those God moments, maybe you have a bad memory. Listen, the Israelite people, they had terrible memories. That's why they wrote Psalms about what God had done for them and had to be reminded all the time. But if you, if you just can't think of the things you're supposed to share, those moments and, and truths, um, there's actually a different command that's very similar that's found in the book of Deuteronomy written by Moses. 
And in Deuteronomy chapter six, verses six through nine says this, and you, and I'm, we're gonna pause right there because who's the you that we're talking about, right? Um, Moses is not just talking about parents when he writes, and you. When he says you, he's talking about the men and women of Israel. And so for us today, we need to understand that by you, he's saying the family of God, the church, right? Each and every one of us are a part of what Moses is talking about here. We get to band together in, in what he's about to say. So, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on doorposts of your house and on your gates, which by the way, if your mom ever told you that she was gonna write something on a sticky note and stick it to your forehead so you would remember, that's actually biblical. That's what they wanted you to... She's just living out scripture for you guys all ready. The, the command inside of here is actually pretty easy when you think about it. Talk about God. Talk about faith. Don't, don't let the hour that you are in church on Sunday or, or the hour spent at youth group on Wednesday be the only time that you think or talk about your faith. Moses, he wanted the Israelites to literally tie reminders to their hands and foreheads, and quite a few of them did. They, we have historical accuracy of them tying things to their foreheads so they could pull out scripture and be able to see it. And I'm not suggesting that you do that necessarily, but I am saying do whatever it takes to remind yourself to just talk about God. Because as adults in these students' lives, if we're not passionate about our own faith, how are we going to be passionate about theirs, right? But, and here's the best part, the more we give room to talk about our faith, the, the more we show excitement about our faith, the more we talk about our fears and worries and questions that we have about faith or questions that we have about God, the more we give permission to do that, the more our students will feel like they can do the same. The more regularly you talk about God, the more our students will make it a regular part of their day as well. And I honestly think that we are fighting against something that started quite a while ago when the church did this thing and it was out of good intentions. Don't get me wrong. It's not like they were trying to, to do something bad or anything, but we basically said a while back, bring us your children on, on Sunday, bring us your kids on a Wednesday night and we'll disciple them for you. We'll teach them about faith for you. you. You won't have to worry about it because we're going to handle it. And it, it wasn't because we, we thought we were going to do better or anything. I, I think part of it was we wanted to help parents learn how to raise their kids in a faith environment. The problem is what we've learned from that is we've seen that it's just not enough. It's not enough for a student to keep their faith. They need more. They need love and support and freedom to question and wonder and think and ask, not just on a Sunday, not just on a Wednesday, but every day. And now we're seeing that instead of just bringing your students to church, bringing your kids to church, that we were supposed to be the church for our students. We need to be passionate about their faith. And I want everyone to understand, I'm not calling out parents in this. I'm not even calling out the church in this. I'm not saying this is anyone's fault. I'm just seeing the reality of what's happening around us and hoping that together we can move forward with change. And it can't only be for those of us who have kids to, carry about, to care about this. So like I said, I wanted to start really direct. And parents, like it, we're just, we're the most direct line to our kids. So we had to start there. 
but let's work our way out a little bit more. So where do other parents, empty nesters, um, or anyone who is never going to have kids come into this? Well, research shows us that the best case scenario, the, the best goal for your kids to keep their faith is actually to have at least three to five adult mentors outside of your family pouring into your kids' lives. That's a lot. And it's not always possible, and I get that. And I am not suggesting that you bring random strangers into your family's lives to start telling your kids about faith. I do not suggest that you do that whatsoever. But maybe there are people in your life that you can intentionally bring in to be uh, mentors and be people for your kids. Um, If anything, I will say this. As a student ministry pastor here at the church, the adults who are already pouring into your students whether that is your three-year-old on a Sunday morning or your 16-year-old on a Wednesday night, we wanna know you. We, we wanna support you. We, we want to help you disciple your children. I mean, we want the families of the students we have the opportunity to pour into. We want to meet them and know who you are. I mean, eKids and Fusion, it is a student ministry, and that is the goal of student ministry. It's to see children and teens experience life in Christ. So everything we do is primarily geared towards teaching students about God and helping them grow in their faith and in their walk with Him. But it can also be seen as a family ministry because we want to join with you in being the family of God. It's exactly why we hold things like child dedications. It's why we do things like public baptisms because we were never supposed to do this Christianity thing on our own. We were never supposed to do life on our own. A lot of times we forget about the power adults have in children's lives. The Pine Top Foundation found this in their research. It's gonna be on the screens for you as well, that when it comes to students, one of the least impactful factors on substantial faith was a teen's peers. It is the adults in their lives that ended up having the most impact, contrary to what we may think of teen culture. What does that mean? It very simply means that adults in our children and youth's lives make a bigger difference than their friends, even if it doesn't always seem that way. And I could stay here all day, my gosh, I could keep talking to you guys about how important it is for our students to see adults who care about them and care about their faith because, um, no, but I can't, I'm sorry, I can't stay here Um, because we have so much more to cover today. So what I want to leave you guys with on this one, at least, is this, hear me, this is not a guilt trip, this is not a blame game. And this isn't even a call for more volunteers inside of student ministry, okay? Not every Christian adult should volunteer in student ministry. Like, you know that, I know that, I'm not asking you to. Um, But some of you may need to. Some of you may have that calling on your life. And regardless, every Christian adult should be supporting the next generation, whether that's directly or indirectly. And we'll talk about some of those direct and indirect ways here at the end of the the message. So verse five of our main scripture, it says this, that God commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children. But why did he do that? Why did he give that command, right? We need to know like, what's the point of all this? And it's found in verse six, it says this, so the next generation might know them and even the children not yet born, and they in turn will teach their own children. Praying for the future of the church starts with the children and teenagers in your church. And so what are the things I'm praying for the next generation? Will they have adults who are passionate about 
their faith. And then number two is this, they have confidence in their faith. They have confidence in their faith. So I love seeing students take their next steps in faith. And we use that term next steps all the time. Um, it's kind of vague. Not everyone knows what it means. Um, sometimes we say it and we don't even know what it means. And so I wanted to give you guys some very clear, concrete examples of what next steps are specifically for students. And some of these are not student specific. Some of these can be just for any Christian at any point in their walk. This could be your next step. But for some students, their next step is literally accepting Jesus as their savior. Like their next step is their first step into faith, right? For other students, it's getting plugged into something like fusion, like a group of other students who are all being poured into by adult leaders who are passionate about seeing them uh, walk in their faith and grow in their faith. Maybe their next step is volunteering, it's serving, it's giving back to the church, giving back to the people around them in some way. Um, and let me tell you, every single volunteer team here at the church, except for the ones that literally you have to be an adult in order to serve on, every other volunteer team has student volunteers volunteering on it. E-Kids in particular, we could not run without our student volunteers. We would not be able to open it without all of the students who are serving back there, teaching our kids about Jesus. Maybe their next step is discipling, all right? Maybe they have learned so much about their faith, they feel strong and confident in them, so they need to pass it on to someone else. And here's why I love seeing all of this taking place in student ministry. It's actually in 1 Timothy, which is a book in the Bible written by the Apostle Paul, and he's writing to a young church leader. This is not somebody who's been doing ministry for 30, 40 years. This is a guy maybe in his 20s who has no idea what he's doing, okay? I get that. Um, and so this is what Paul says to Timothy. It's found in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. It says this, don't let anyone think less of you because you're young. Be an example to all believers in what you say and the way you live in your love, your faith, and your purity. And that is exactly what we're seeing in the next generation. Students who are taking their faith seriously. Students who want to be an example Students who ask me personally and ask their own leaders, like, what do I need to do in my faith? How can I be a better Christian? What's the best way for me to grow closer to God? And this isn't just our teenagers in the church who, by the way, are amazing. Like, I, I cannot say enough wonderful things about our, our teenagers that are here at Element. They are living out Christian community. They are volunteering their time, talents, and treasures. They're growing in their faith. They're being open and honest about their um, faith, about their struggles, about their doubts, their fears, their anxiety, and hopes to overcome things. I can't say enough great things about the teenage we have in our church right now, but we're also seeing this in our younger kids as well. We have children coming to our first Tuesday night prayer meetings and they are praying in front of adults into the microphone so everyone can hear them. And do they always pray for what we are focusing on during that prayer time? No, they don't always or usually, but they are praying because they aren't scared of what other people are going to Think. And because they believe in God and they believe that he hears them and he believe, they believe that he will act because they say things. We have students, and this is gonna make me look a little bit bad, but I'm okay with that. Um, on Sundays, when we do things called sword drills, where we just have a Bible verse and we flip to that Bible verse and try and find it in scripture and we race to see who can do it the fastest and they beat me. 
pretty consistently all the time because they love opening their Bible. They love looking into scripture and finding verses inside of there as well. There are, Christ, there are children asking extremely difficult questions about their faith, asking why things happen in life, asking where God is in moments, things that are not easy to answer. They're not easy to understand, but these kids are leading the example by wanting to grow deeper in their faith, even if they don't necessarily know that that's what they're doing. It's not easy being a student and not knowing whether they can question something or speak up or, or, or ask something or, or volunteer or be a leader or pray in front of others. Heck, it's not easy for adults to do any of these things, but we're seeing it in the next generation. So what would it look like if our kids and students heard what an example they are? What, what would change if they knew they were allowed to ask anything and be honest about their struggles and be encouraged to volunteer and learn what it means to cultivate community? Like what kind of church would we have if we were known for building up and pouring into the next generation of church leaders because that's what the next generation is, is our leaders, what kind of future would that hold? And my guess is it's beyond our ability to imagine because the things God would accomplish if he got a hold of that would be life-changing. My prayer over them is that they stand firm in their faith. Even if trials come, even if questions come, even when hurt and anxiety and fear comes, regardless of their outside circumstances, they would have confidence in who God has made them to be that their example, what they do, how they do it, the things they say, all of that would speak louder than anything that is said negatively about them because they are the future of the church. So continuing in our main scripture, verse seven says this, so each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. Praying for the future of the church starts with the children and teenagers in your church. What are the things that I'm praying for the next generation? That they have adults passionate about their faith, they have confidence in their faith, and then number three, the last one is this, that they keep their faith. They just keep their faith. If I had to choose any of these three to call the most important, I would choose this one. If you can't remember everything and you don't want to write on a sticky note and stick it to your forehead, then I'm asking you to just remember to pray for this. Pray that our students would keep their faith because like we learned at the very beginning, here in about 30 years, we're going to lose 35 million of them. And it's interesting, actually, what's happening in the past. Um, people have said that they've walked away from faith because of a life event, like something's happened um, in their life uh, and somebody's died or, or there's been a sickness or, or things that just are difficult to understand. And it's those things that either draw you closer to God, right? Or it pushes you away from him. And so sometimes that happens. Sometimes people have said it's because of intellectual skepticism. Like they just can't wrap their mind around the fact that there is this unimaginable God and that he loves us. And so there's that skepticism of like, this probably isn't actually true. Um, but we're seeing something different now. Again, the research is nerdy, but it's super cool at the same time. The Pine Top Foundation has actually done research into what's happening. So here's the statistic for you guys. 42% of youth who became less religious cited disinterested or just stopped attending or no specific reason for their decrease in religious practice. Some are still leaving because of life events, because of skepticism, that's true. But by and large, the biggest reason is they're just not interested. 
a quote from the research said this, that they are not an embittered, angry generation shaking their fists at the heavens. They just don't think looking up is all that important. Most studies actually show that 70% of teenagers stop attending church after they graduate and go off to college. And there's no real answer as to why this is happening, but I think um, what I'm gonna tell you is true, and I think it at least plays a factor in it. It's the fact that it's just plain out hard to keep your faith. I think most of you would agree with that, that giving your life to Christ and then every day surrendering yourself to be more like him is extremely difficult, let alone trying to do that after you have left your home, you've left your home church, you've left your friends, you've left your family, you're basically on your own now and you're still trying to be a Christian. It's not an easy thing to do. And I know that it can feel like I've been really depressing today and I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, There is hope for the future of the church. There is hope for our students. First and foremost, that hope is Jesus, who already told us that the gates of hell are not going to prevail against the church that he has built and the church he will see through, and that church is going to exist in the future, and it's going to be run by our students. They will be our church leaders. And if that's all I had to hold on to, if that was the only hope I had was a promise that Jesus made to us, that's fine by me. I will gladly hold on to that. I will stake my life on that. But there's also another hope, and it's going to be on the screens for you guys. It's this, that it turns out being in a family and church that talks with Jesus, where they actively evangelize, serve together, know other adults who take their faith seriously and live the gospel, not sin management, will more often than not produce young people who want to continue on in a life with God. It's amazing. Talks with Jesus, actively evangelize, which just means they share the gospel. They talk about their faith. They have freedom to question things and actually share what they believe and why they believe it. Serve together. No other adults outside of parents, outside of family who take their faith seriously. And my favorite, live the gospel, not sin management, which is actually already a part of our vision as a church that we exist to help guide people to experience life to its fullest. That's life with Jesus. That's not a do's and don'ts list of Christianity. That's not do this, don't do that, and you're a good Christian. That is living the gospel because Jesus lives in you and you get to live that out now. Those are the things that in tandem, when we do those things, produce young people who want to keep their faith. It's amazing. It's possible to disciple and see students who take their faith seriously and, I, and, I want to, and that want to keep it as they continue growing up. So I want to share a video with you guys. Um, it's actually of one of our students here at Element and what their faith means to them. So check out this story. My name is Jordan Kennedy. I'm 15 and I'm a sophomore at Central High School. I always kind of grew up in the church. I was very blessed. I always considered myself a Christian, but early months of 2019, I was going through a really hard time. Someone who I really looked up to and admired as a person ended up committing suicide. And I just remember feeling like if, if he doesn't have a reason to be here, like, what is my purpose here? I remember one night I was just praying and I was like, 
God, I know this isn't your fault and I'm not mad at you. And I just remember having this really strong feeling within me that was like, it was, it was like Jesus saying to me, come to me and it's okay and I'll take this burden off of you. And that was probably the biggest point in my faith is when I actually turned to Jesus and felt that peace within me. Growing up, I never really had a group. I mean, I always had friends. I, it's always been easy for me to make friends because I'm very talkative, I'm very outgoing. But, you know, in the movies, how you always see like the friend group who's always together and they're always hanging out and they have like this certain spot they go to. I always wanted that growing up, but I could never actually find it until Fusion. They're definitely that group for me. I, I just love all the connections I've made with them. Some of my closest friends have come out of that group. And I just, I love how it's a place that I can escape to because teenage years in high school are not always the best. And it's really nice to have a place that I can go that is, it doesn't pressure me to be anything other than myself. My leader is Lindy Bichon. She has impacted my life in so many ways. She kind of showed me that I have the qualities to be a leader and she's shown me that Christianity is more than just, you know, oh, this is what you do, this is how you do it, and you don't question it. She, she encourages asking questions and knowing why you support, and why I believe what I believe in, and believed in me when not many people did. I just would not be where I am in my faith today if it was not for her. My faith is really important to me because it's a source of hope. Um, I feel like in today's world, not it's not popular to be a Christian. It's not very trendy to believe in God. It's helped me a lot to just continue growing and continue showing other people that you can have hope and you can be going through hard times and still find the good in life and still just be a light to others. Just really how it's changed my life the most is it's allowed me to be that for others. It's allowed me to be a light. And one of my favorite things is when people are always asking, like, why are you so happy? Like, why are you always smiling? And I get to say, because of my faith, in Jesus. Wow. The future of our faith is already in our church. My prayer over them is just that they have adults passionate about their faith. Adults like our Fusion volunteers, our eKids volunteers, who are pouring into the next generation weekend and week out, that they have confidence in their faith. Like our children who are getting up and praying in front of everyone into a microphone, even though they have maybe no idea what they're saying, but that they're confident God does, and that they keep their faith. That, that like Jordan, they see how important their faith is to them, and they wanna hold on to it for the rest of their life. So what can you do? 
I told you I would give you direct and indirect ways of how we can be supporting the next generation. They're gonna be up on the screens. We're gonna just quickly go through them here. Uh, the first one is pray. And every single person can be praying what, what we pray here for the next generation. But you should also have students in your lives, kids in your lives, teenagers in your lives who you can be praying over, that, that, that they have life in Jesus and they hold on to it. You can support. Support teenagers, yes. Support children, yes. Like be there for them when they need it. But gosh, also support their parents who, who are trying to raise kids. And it's hard. So find ways to support one another. If you're single, maybe it's just being able to be another adult in a child's life. It's huge. Maybe it is volunteering. And again, like I said, not everyone should choose this one. But maybe it is volunteering with student ministry in some capacity, whether that's directly as a leader inside of our children's ministry, as somebody who helps teach kids about Jesus, about their faith, or maybe it's more along the fourth one, which is organizing. I'm awful at this, but, but volunteering in a way of organizing the ministry, helping with things like prepping for lessons and making sure that we are, are able to provide the best possible lessons and crafts and things to teach kids about Jesus, about God, about those truths, right? Maybe it's outreach and not just outreach to teenagers, which also can work, but remember one of the best ways to keep kids in the faith is to actively serve together. Find ways to do outreach with teenagers that, that bring them alongside so they can see their faith in action and the impact that it makes. And the last one is media. First of all, social media, where you can be, again, doing these things, supporting, helping teenagers, showing them that you actually do listen to what they're saying, that their voice is important and what they care about, but using your own voice and being aware of what you are putting on there and how you are supporting, how you are encouraging the next generation. Or maybe you like creating content in a way that is inspiring, uplifting, or encouraging to youth. I don't know. And these aren't, it's not a comprehensive list. You can come up with whatever you'd like in terms of helping the next generation. But our prayer for this week, it's gonna be up on the screens if you wanna join me in praying it. We're gonna post online so you can save it there. You can take a picture of it up on the screens as well. But what I wanna do is actually close out the service with this prayer for all of us to join together and, and pray it over the next generation. So if you guys would join me in that, we're gonna pray, God, we pray over the next generation. We lift up the children and teenagers who are passionate about you, and we pray that they have adults in their life who will love and support them, who are passionate about seeing them grow into the men and women you desire them to be. We pray that they would stand confident in their faith, that they would know what you have said about them and who you have called them to be. And we pray that they would, you would help them keep their faith that because of the support and love and people around them, they would continue to see why their faith is important to them and that they would continue to walk boldly in it. In praying these things, God, would we see the future of the church shine brightly amongst us. Amen. Hey, thank you guys so much. Remember, next week is our Sabbath Sunday. There's no in-person services, and the week after is Easter. But if you need prayer for absolutely anything, we have an incredible prayer team here at the church. They meet back at the Purple Tents um, behind at the back of the auditorium. So they'd love to talk to you and pray with you if you would like that. Um, otherwise, I love you guys. Thank you so much for letting me share 
this with you today. You guys can go in peace. If you were encouraged by today's message, be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast or follow us on social media. To learn more about our gathering times in Cheyenne, Wyoming, or to take your next step, visit our website, elementchurch.life. Thanks for tuning in. Catch you next week right here on the Element Church Podcast.